When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, this is the Tripe Supper with myself, Dom Shaw, Phil Tallentire, who's eating saurine, or just about to finish his saurine. Butter-free saurine, no yeah. butter on it. I know, I can do that. Yeah, I... you don't need butter on it. No, no. You're practicing for Brexit, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is my post-apocalypse diet. <laughs> you are a big saurine man. Oh, How many do you reckon you get through? A week? A, a loaf a week? I'll get through a loaf a week, yeah. It's a chocolate substitute. Yeah, I hear you there. I'll tell you what it's an easy one for. If, if you're hungry at home yeah. and you just need something to tide you over, yeah. that, that does a good that, job. Or that post-lunch snack. Yeah. Yeah, where you normally reach for the Topic or Mars bar, you know, the chocolate bar of your choice. I was reading last week that uh, we didn't plan to start like this, but uh, it's good to eat an apple half an hour before your dinner or your tea or whatever because it, it fills you up. Right. Something in it fills you mm. up quicker. So I've tried it. I had an apple Does it before. work? I don't know, I've had an apple before we've done this and I'm going to have my jacket spuds with cottage cheese when we finish it. So, so if you go halfway through, I'll tell you the then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you see me dipping into the tuck shop fridge for a galaxy <laughs> mid-afternoon, you'll know it hasn't. Uh, anyway, Darren Randolph, let's talk about Darren Randolph because everyone has been talking about Darren Randolph since his saves and his performance on Saturday. Ryan Shotton was excellent, wasn't he, talking about him, Vic? His, his, his quotes afterwards, I thought. Yeah, ab- absolutely gushing. And to be fair, I think most of the players are. They, they know exactly what, what he brings to the team. Uh, this year I think we've seen more of him because obviously he's been a bit more exposed for the last two years he's been behind a team that's been safety first and set up to defend and uh, deny chances this year he's been a lot more open and he's he's been busier and he's just as good I mean some of the saves are absolutely incredible Uh, you wonder whether he is too good for this division and should Borough go up Will they be able to keep hold of him? I know they did last year. There was interest, which was knocked back very emphatically by the club. Uh, it might be hard to turn it down if if uh, the club are rebuilding on a lower financial base this summer. There must be Premier League clubs who are looking that and thinking five million quid's nothing, is it, in today's market? And thinking, you know, we missed a trick there too. Yeah. He's undoubtedly the best thing to come from that Gary Monk summer, isn't he? Oh, unquestionably at the moment. Uh, you know, just in terms of consistency of performance. Um, as you say, it's fit into a lot of Premier League sides. His concentration levels are great. I mean, I always, you know, regard a good keeper as one that can pull off that vital save after doing nothing for an hour. Yeah. You see them at the top level, don't you? You know, it's been the difference at somewhere like Liverpool, where they've gone from decent keepers to one of the best in the world, and the difference has been there for I mean, all to see. I think the interesting thing is, I mean, there were Premier League clubs did come in for him, but he come, came to Borough because he wanted to play. He wasn't happy to go to a mid-table Premier League club and sit on the bench. He wanted to play, which I think says a lot about his mentality. When, when I sat down with Danny Coyne a couple of weeks back, I said to him, you know, when you, when you come in in the summer, how, how, do you, how do you sit down and think, how, how do I improve the best keeper in the division who, you know, widely accepted to be the best uh, keeper in the division? And he said that Randolph had came to him straight away and said, I want to work on, I want to work on my footwork, I want to work on playing the ball out of my feet because he was well aware already obviously having known what Jonathan Woodgate's all about of, of the way he'll want to play so he said really it was 
it was easy for him. It was knocking it an open door with a keeper who wants to kind of work on those weaknesses. Um, and we've seen at Millwall that he did that. He came out and dribbled well, past one of them. At didn't one he point. just? Yeah. And also shepherded the ball out in the second half. Yeah, yeah. that kind of been easy for Kane to watch. Um, <laughs> but but the, 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 another constant theme is how good he is around the place, isn't he? With, yeah. with the likes of Pears and, and the others. Um, I mean, he is it. Senior international now, first choice for Republic of Ireland. Obviously, it goes without saying. It, it, it's, it's useful to have around the place, isn't he? As well as what he does on the pitch. I think so. He, he seems uh, very grounded and eager to, to pass his experience on. I think, and it's not just the keepers. I, I think he's he's good with uh, the rest of the team as well. He puts quietly puts an arm around someone's shoulder and, and tells them, you know, chin up. You did well there today. Or doesn't matter that you made a mistake. Crack on with it. Uh, and he, he, I think increasingly he's talking on the pitch as well. I don't think we saw that so much in the first year he was here. Maybe because the defence in front of him was so well organised and now he has to take a bit more responsibility. But you do see him pointing and shouting and occasionally bawling well, someone out. Would have made a point of saying that the other week that he's asking more from his senior players that, you know, we have lost, you know, you've got someone like um, John Johnny House and out injured, um, George Friend, people like that. You're missing senior pros. You need you need other people within the team to step up and, and, and take some, some ownership. So, yeah, good to see. Where, where does he rank, Randolph, in terms of borough keepers? And I'm, you know, kind of in the not-so-distant past. I'm, I'm going way back. Well, for me, Schwarzer was the best. And then you've got Percy, who was brilliant. And older people will tell you Jim Platt was brilliant. Between them, I think we've really had... Decent keepers without anyone being outstanding, apart from possibly Shea Given for three months when he was using his telekinetic powers to keep the ball out of the net. Uh, I think he's he's right up there. I don't think anyone would argue with that. Phil? No, I agree. Um, you know, Burrow had some decent keepers. I don't. I w- you wonder whether you can't really say Burrow had one of the top top keepers. I don't think you know. Um, you know, Schwartz has had a great career. I was a big Mark Crossley fan, fully enough, when he came into the side. That, that old argument, just to dredge that one up a bit. Um, it was quality, wasn't it, when he was here? It was far better than I expected him to be, because I wasn't a huge Mark Crosley fan, I've got to be honest, when you know, he was signed genuinely as a, as a support for Schwarzer, but when he came in the team, you know, I thought he was good, as good as, as good as, or not even even better. Um, there was that really clean sheet, wasn't there? Yeah. There was a genuine case for him yeah. to keep his place. I mean, McLaren Schwarzer. said... Schwartz is my number one. He comes back in when he's fit. And fair enough, managers have to sometimes do that. But he certainly made a case. Obviously, Shea Gibbon was good when he came here. I think some keepers are unlucky that Vic makes a really good point about how a team sets up. You know, so if you're a keeper, you want to play in a team that's organised by Aitor Karanka yeah. or Tony Pulis because you're not going to see, you're not going to have a great deal to deal with. Hopefully, you're going to have big centre backs who command the area so you don't have to keep coming out and grabbing high balls. Um, you know, Jim Platt, sort of Jim Platt was probably the first Borough keeper I saw. Jim Platt and Pat Cuff, people like that. Um, Percy. You know, Borough have had some decent keepers over the years. It's very rare that Borough have had a real, really poor keeper. I'm struggling to think of one off the top of my head. They've always had Can some... you think of one? <laughs> <laughs> Brad um, Jones? Well, Brad didn't convince, did he? Let's face I it. I think um, Jones is one yeah, of those people. Yeah, 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 one of those careers that a lot of, a lot of people would uh, take your right arm off. Yeah. Yeah. Jones was a, was a second-choice keeper and he knew that. And when he came in as second-choice keeper, he did well because he knew he was only there for a couple of games. But when he was the number one and the pressure was on, 
that's when you yeah. look really, really fragile. So I think that's the mentality. Thing. It's an interesting time that at the club, you know, just digressing very slightly, is the, the old Turnbull-Jones debate. Yeah, because I, I couldn't because believe Everybody outside the club, so, everybody, I mean, I mean, I know to a man, except Brad's parents probably, <laughs> thought that Turnbull was the better shot. Um, and yet you spoke to anybody within the club and they, they, they were convinced that Brad Jones was a keeper. And I suspect that's because, as Vic just said there, with the pressure off on the training ground, he probably pulled off world, worldies. And to be fair to him, there's times he got the old Gazette three stars because he made you know uh, penalty saves, I think, at Old Trafford. I mean, given, given the award a couple of times. I think he made one at um, Plymouth when Borough famously won away under Gordon Strachan back in the day. I think he saved a penalty that day as well. So he clearly had something, but... It's like anything, isn't it? It's like a lot of sportsmen, they can't deliver, you know, when under pressure, there's, there's just some... some is, is there a more recent echo there with Thomas Myers as well, who could stepped be. in as second-choice keeper yeah, and could superb be. at Man United yeah. and Man City, but in the league, yeah. you wouldn't have trusted him. I quite like as well, you know, again, we digress, but I remember that day, it was the, it was the, um, it was the Huddersfield match, wasn't it, where I think he brought Dimmy in for that match and left Thomas out. Thomas Mahias out and after the match I always remember asking I thought you know you made the change I expected him to say oh well it, you know, I, was always, I was always planning to do that and he said you know, Thomas hadn't played well enough so I'm giving somebody else a chance and I admired him for that to say, because a lot of managers wouldn't say that wouldn't come out and say that um, so and going back to my point about playing in front of a back line so you get someone like poor old Jason Steele who uh, I know a lot of fans have strong opinions about but I do feel he was unlucky I, I he, he came, yeah I did too and he came into a Borough team that was very shaky at the back I don't think anyone would dispute that. Um, you know, around the time when when Moggers get to the, the the end of Moggers' days, when the defence was starting to let him down a little bit for whatever reason, and the moment Aitor came in, he got he got sent off at Leeds, didn't he, and then injured, um, or, or roughly the same time. I forget the the chronology, but um, and of course he was never really available after that. And that Aitor obviously made a decision quite early on that he wasn't his cup of tea. The, so. the, the, on the subject of Myas. I was talking to Danny Coyne about that because the, the, the mindset of a second or third choice keeper has always fascinated me because I think, you know, when they, there must be a stage and they can't grow no. thinking, I want to be a second no. choice keeper when I It's Steve Harper all along, so, isn't it? So at what stage does the mindset change to not necessarily accepting that as in, like, I'm happy with this, but accepting that that's what you've become? And then at the end of your career, you must look back and think, yeah, Steve Harper... Brilliant, good goalkeeper, yeah. good top flight goalkeeper. Certainly, a you know excellent top end championship goalkeeper. And for whatever reason, you know all those years. And and Coyne said, you can never accept in your own mind that that's what you are. And you need to go into training every day thinking that this weekend is the chance you get your chance. Which is this weekend will be the game when you get your chance. And I completely get that. But then equally, you know, it's human nature that Thomas Mayer scores into training this week, and he knows. Yeah. That likelihood is his next chance of playing is the FA Cup, and you know, given we look at the bench, it's going to be Ainsley Pears who plays for that, and may also be on the bench for that. There is a, you know, the mindset changes from when you're eighteen and nineteen, yeah, isn't it? It's got to be do. I mean, football is it's a wonderful lifestyle, and people obviously enjoy every aspect of going to work. And I mean, I mean, Dimmy arrived at the club basically to help out in training. You know, he was unemployed. Uh, unemployed League One keeper who arrived to help out in training and there are accidents of fate that suddenly catapult people into the team I suppose you always have that in your mind but at the same time it's a good environment if you love football and being around football 
and that's part of the gig, then then you take it. I mean, there's Mike Hooper, another one. Well, a classic twenty-year career yeah. and barely played a first team match. And when he did play, it was uh, it was <laughs> it struggled a little bit, didn't he? Because didn't he Newcastle sign him from from Liverpool, didn't it, as the number one? Uh, you know, Borough signed Gary Walsh, um, for example. Um, I do think it's a strange mentality, and even just as a as a young player coming up, so you've got people like Ainsley Pears, and you know. So Kenny hard as a goalkeeper. Yeah, what do you do? We saw it with um, uh, uh, Conor Ripley. Um, you know, does he sit on the bench? You know, because at the end of the day, uh, you know, poor old Darren Randolph could twist his ankle on, 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 on Thursday morning and you need another goalkeeper and that's your chance and it might be you might get a six, seven, eight, nine match run in the team and then that's your opportunity. I think, I think it's strange when you get somebody like um, the kid at Leeds who's from, from round here. Um, uh, Burley Peacock Farrell who was getting a game at Leeds quite a lot last season and then now he's gone to Burnley where you can't see you know they've got about 82 goalkeepers on the books at the moment don't they you can't see how he's going to develop his game at Burnley and he's, at the moment he's playing for Northern Ireland so he's getting he's getting regular international football but you can't think that's going to last forever if he's never played any senior football so it is a weird one I, I think there are I, you, we've all met keepers I do think they're a different breed They've got a different. They have, they have a different um, way of, uh, I don't know, um, you know, presenting themselves. They seem more, more self-confident. The same as though they've got, you know, they're not as self-reliant. They're not as reliant on coaches. There's a lot of stuff that they have to do with themselves. You know, in terms of the routine, they put themselves through the drills. Um, they have that strength of character to sit on the bench for six months or a year and then have to come straight in the team. So I do think that they're wired slightly differently to outfield players as well. And I suppose that comes from, from up being one of a kind in every team you are. Randolph currently leads the way in our best signing of the last decade, Paul. Um, last time I checked, that was ahead of George Friend, who got my vote, and Grant Ledbetter, who got Andrew Glover's vote in the office. Um, first of all, who, who would you say is? the best sign of the last 10 years? Well, I'd be inclined to say Grant because that's the sort of player I like, no nonsense, gets stuck in. But also, I thought he, not just as an individual, as a, as a professional, I thought he was Itor's representative on earth. And I think he was the one that made the, the whole philosophy and methodology work at Borough. I think managers need that. Managers need a an evangelist in the dressing room that persuades the rest of the lads this is working, knuckle down, do what you're told and I think he did that in a really quietly understated way and I don't think you can underestimate the value of Grant in that promotion team. Phil? Yeah, it's a difficult one, I think the two criteria one sort of your best value signing which was certainly something like for me, George Friend £100,000 uh, given Sterling service now since 2000, was it 2012 when he arrived at the club um, being a great individual on and off the pitch couldn't ask any more for him um, in terms of money signings obviously Darren's a, Darren Randolph's a great a great signing um, you, go, you go back through without, without going through every player that Borough has signed over the, over the last 10 years um, you know you, you kind of forget some of the players who came in you know, back end of Tony Mowbray's time People like Albert Adorma for a million was he a million quid? He made a contribution. You could have voted for him. Yeah, could have voted for him. Um, you know, players like that. And then uh, moving further forward, you know, the, some of the some of the players I saw sign have been, you know, 
but it turned out to be good acquisitions as well. So, but well, well, on that, the, the, the one name that crept up, and we did discuss putting him in, but didn't, probably wrongly, was, was Gaston Ramirez with, with the loan brackets, like we did for Bamford. And, I mean, in terms of an impact in that second half of the season. Well, I quantified it on Twitter, didn't I? I thought it was a, it was a very good loan signing, and I thought it was a disastrous permanent signing. and Not, not necessarily for what he did on the pitch, um, in that Premier League season, because up till Christmas he was arguably one of the most influential players. After Christmas, he was a disgrace, frankly. Um, but the fact that Borough knew he was hard work, they knew he was hard to handle, they knew he'd signed a pre-contract agreement. I think it was Penarol, and that's not Penarol. Um, they, 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 they should have said at the end of that season, which I think some people within the club wanted to do, was to say, "Shake hands, well done, Gaston. Thanks for your contribution." good luck with the rest of your career and we move on and I think it was really from what I understand it was really Aitor who was determined to get him back and you could understand why from a footballing perspective because it was a, you know I remember that game at Arsenal one of the best away performances Borough will, will put in for many many years you know the nil-nil draw that they should have won where Triori was outstanding but so was Ramirez as, as, as those two players who looked great on the break um, you know, and you've got Negredo up front. That kind of a sign of what might have been with a little bit more bravery and a little bit more, I don't know, um, ambition that season. But for me, it, it quantified as a whole, for me, it was an absolute disaster. That's why I didn't put him in, even yeah. though I probably should have done it, that. It's also more. about the metrics as well, isn't it? I mean, you're measuring value for money and longevity and overall contribution. It's very hard when his real contribution came in the space of three or four months at a time when the rest of the team were motoring and there were so many elements. I, I, I can understand that people focused on him as an individual and he, he had sparks and stuff but I don't think that had he not been there that that team wouldn't yeah. have got promoted still. That would be the counter-argument wouldn't it that some people would say. I mean it's like the argument about whether you can class someone like Emerson as a Borough great because again when he was on in those whatever it was six month cameo he was out, you know, there was times when you just took, the, took, your, took your breath away, but then you think, for me, a great signing's got to do it over a few seasons. To be, if, you want, yeah, if you want to be classed as a club legend or a, a great signing, you've got to do it for more than six months. You know, you've, got to, you've got to come back the next season and do it again. And um, that, That's just my personal viewpoint. Everyone's different. And, and a great signing, you know, George Friend is a great signing. A couple of other names who were, who were uh, still at the club now who we put in that poll, Adam Clayton and Danny Ayala. Have they both been great signings when you look at their impact and their longevity? Well, they're both, they're both part of the framework for the promotion side and they were crucial players. So there's no question that they more than played their role in both the playoff push and the promotion push. Uh, great value for money. Uh, there's still fixtures around which you would probably build the team today. So that, that means that they've certainly been very, very yeah. good signings. Great usually is associated with a couple of outstanding performances where you can say that is why someone's caught the eye. And I think if you do an unglamorous job, it's much harder to sell that. Yeah, good solid buys, I would say. You know, you think they've been at the club quite a while. I don't think either of them has been any chew in terms of off the field, you know. You know, the both the both work hard for the team. The both didn't you didn't didn't have to break the bank. Although at the time they were relatively expensive signings for for the division. And now I know now three or four million quid nowadays in the championships are dropping in the ocean. But then when Borough were paying, I think was it 
three down or something for, for Danny Ayal or something no, like that. 350,000. Was it? I thought it was more than that. Anyway, so if that's the case, then definitely the Ayala in particular is a fantastic bit. Clayton was a couple of mils. Yeah, I think Clayton was a couple of options. Yeah. So, you never really know so yeah, well, in that, in that case, obviously, someone like Danny, who didn't even cost a great deal of money, has been, been a terrific acquisition. I'll um, put a Dharma Triore in purely because for a few months he was brilliant yeah. to watch. He, he ensured that fans probably didn't have to watch what they watched last year because Pulis had an outball for six months. Yeah. And because they made, what, £10 million profit? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting way of looking at it, and just in terms of the, the money ball aspect, if you like. But, I mean... It, it, wasn't, it, it wasn't what Burr needed yeah, at the time, it, was there was, there was moments when he was doing really flashy guitar solos, and that was eye-catching. And as Phil said, it, it was at a time when much of the football was very, very dull. So he, he, he catches the eye. And there's no question he's uh, hugely exciting to watch when he got on the ball. But there will always be questions over his end product. Well, I, I, I would say when you judge, judge someone like Adama, you know, I, I mean, let's not forget how young he was when he came. Was he 2021? 20, Something like that. I think, I think the way I would judge it is was that everybody knew that summer that Borough needed somebody on that side of the pitch who could play every week, who could... Um, you know, we'd had Christian Stuani being playing there a little bit, hadn't we? The other players had been tried on the right hand side of midfield, and it, it was accepted that it's probably a position that Borough still <laughs> struggling to fill from time to time. Um, so I understand why Triori uh, might have been a player Borough would want to sign at some stage, but his arrival still left a gap because he, he just clearly it was a huge ask for him to come into the, at the team. And hit the ground running, and you know, Borough needed somebody for thirty-eight Premier League games, who could you know could come in the team and do that job. Um, so for me, that's why he wasn't a great signing, in, in as much as it didn't fill a gap that the, the, a role that was needed filling. But there were some memorable moments, and as you said, financially, Borough, Borough did really well out of it. Um, I'm, I'm not quite. I'm not. Quite, I'm, I still remain unconvinced that that sort of give it to Adama was the. Panacea that everyone well, it, claimed. It did it make was. Borough very easy to play against. It, it made Borough. It give it give the certainly give the fans some excitement because he's dynamite to watch when he's in full flow, and he certainly helped Borough get points that the Mavis wouldn't have got at some stage of the second half of that season. But Borough looked towards the end of that season like they'd been worked out, and the, the barely laid the, the barely laid a glove on Villa in those two playoff matches, did they? So, um, it made Borough very predictable. And um, you know it was give it to Adama, give it to Adama, and you, and that, for me that second half of that season saw Stuart Downing's influence diminish because of the first half yeah. of that season when he came back from the cold after you know we thought he was going to go to Birmingham for me he was the best probably the best attacking player in the team, and then for the second half of that season he became kind of well get the ball to Adama, um, it's, we don't really want to get Stuart on the ball. I think it's hard to say that Adama was a great player because everyone would admit that he was nowhere near the finished product. And still isn't and we did, Yeah, we didn't see that. I mean, there was an irony in that he was by far and away the fastest player on the pitch and yet he slowed the game down because he would go whizzing off down a blind alley then have to wait for everyone to get back in, in, uh, alongside him. And ironically, that gave the defence time to get organised as well. But fantastic to watch, absolutely brilliant to watch and hugely exciting and... and it's not often you see a crowd actually get to its feet with bated breath, waiting for, for the explosion. And, yeah. you know, that, you know, you'll never forget that. But in terms of end product, I don't think he really delivered yeah. enough to be called a great. And I hope I'm wrong, but I think people will still have this conversation about him in three or four years' time. Because I don't think 
And I'm still not, I know he's been tried in a couple of different positions now down at Wolves, but he's still really seen as the same, an impact player. He's, and I, I'm not sure he'll ever, whether the penny will drop with him that he needs to add more to his game or to do something slightly different. But it could be that he just never kicks on from being that hugely explosive player who doesn't produce enough in the final third, often enough. Because if he does produce in the final third, he'll be playing for Real Madrid or Barcelona. From the past to the present then, in Cardiff this weekend, and um, been reunited with Aidan Flint first. Well, a few, actually. Yeah. There's Joe it's Bennett's old boys network. Yeah, Lee Tomlin, Isaac Vassell, who, who um, Borough were interested in, Robert Glatzel, who are watching Heidenheim in the summer. We'll, we'll, we'll start with Flint. Um, first things first, you know, don't concede... A goal to him. <laughs> yeah. got his pound on that. The irony would be painful, wouldn't it? And after last time goal scorer. Yeah. yeah um, I, well, I think everyone's aware of that as well. And uh, there was an irony that when he arrived at Borough, that's exactly what he was brought in to do. He was got on the end of uh, dead ball specialist Tony Pulis's uh, uh, barrage in, at the far post. And yet, you know, he, he got his 50 pence head to it every week. And, you know, we had it on our. our Safe key, didn't we? The flint header glances above the bar. There was that one kind of early on. It was the first home game. No, I thought it was one of the season when he missed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, he admits, didn't he? There was that interview in the summer. I can't remember. Was it it yourself? Where he was up front. Diabolical. Yeah, yeah. So you know, and he wasn't diabolical. No, but there's no. But we didn't see because. You know, when he signed, I remember thinking, fine signing. I know a Bristol City fan who, who used to love watching him at Bristol was gutted to see him go. So, it, you know, it, you can't really judge him on last season. Can it's you one of the greatest him? mysteries of all time, isn't it? That, that a manager whose stock in trade is set-piece goals as much as anything in direct football can't get any more than a goal out of Aidan Flint. But let's, you know, who, defensively... Who, 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 hang on, who, who scored nearly double figures the previous season... Um, and yeah, but defensively, I thought it was solid enough. I was, was going to say because he had the best defensive record. In the yeah, league, but we so. joint joint best defensive. Uh, I think in terms of your average championship match where the ball was going to get knocked into the box, he was fine. He could head it away. He'll hoof it away. He's a big handful. He could more than more than handle the biggest centre forward in the division. Uh, he, he wouldn't have suited this season style and playing out from the back because he's not comfortable with his feet. Uh, on paper. He should have been a perfect fit for Borough. Uh, in terms of the, the free kicks, I think it has to be pointed out that uh, he got nine goals at, at uh, Bristol from dead balls. But I think eight of them were his feet. Uh, everyone thinks he's, it was all this the headers, and it wasn't. He, he, at Bristol, he used to like hang back. Good feet for a big man. Well, he used to dive into the carnage and barge people out of the way and poke it home. And for Borough, he was the target. People used to aim, aim at him and expect him to hit the target from a header and he just wasn't doing it. I don't think Borough didn't I don't think Borough failed to go up that save because of Aiden Flint. No, of course not. God, no. You know, that was there's the structural problems in the team that were nothing to do with him. I think but was it the, the, the move in the summer it, it struck me as being the right move for everyone. Absolutely. Involved. It ticked all the boxes. Yeah. yeah. Borough overpaid for him in the first place in my opinion. Um and but but when when you know when the the opportunity arose to to allow him to move on it fit it was good for him it was good for Burr and it probably turned out to be pretty good for Cardiff as well but got the thick end of the money back didn't they pretty yeah. much um, sometimes it happens in football sometimes you sign a player and it just doesn't work out for whatever reason I think if it stayed it'd have, it'd have probably played quite a bit because Burr have had problems at the back in terms of injuries um, 
I, I mean, I get the idea that he maybe wouldn't necessarily fit the style of play as such, but Burrant played it out the back like Man City played out the back. Um, it's, it's, it's getting forward a little bit more quickly than that most times. I think that's what Woody wants. I don't think he wants necessarily Burrant to be very sort of ticky-tacky, slow, slow, play it around at the back and then break. It's more, it's more about getting, getting on the front foot and, and, and playing, getting the ball forward as and when's necessary. And he said all along, hasn't he? He said, I do, what, do what's best in that particular moment. He doesn't want to be stuck with the philosophy and then, you know, find that the team just get obsessed with it to the point where they, they can't, they can't um, adapt on the pitch. Tomlin, it's good to see. I know he didn't play last week, so he'd been involved in the car crash, but car accident. But it's good to see him. Being, serve your own metaphor here. Yeah, but it's good to see him having been involved, isn't it? Because he spoke openly and publicly and bravely about the the, the tough times he's had uh, had in the summer when he went to Peterborough on loan last year as a way just to kind of get out and get away from things really and to enjoy his football games. We don't know whether he'll play. Be good to see Glatzel up front again. Hopefully he won't go on a rampage like he did like he did in the summer. Um, uh, we were talking about this yesterday with Phil. I fancied Cardiff in the summer. I thought they, of the teams who've come down, were most likely to uh, to go straight back up. But they've had a bit of a mixed start. I was reading they've only won two games and they were 88th minute and 96th minute winners, yeah. one of which was scored by Vassell, who hasn't really had a kick since. But the pressure's on them, isn't it, this weekend? I think so. I mean, one thing is, you know, it's part of the, the build-up to any match is to, you know what you're going to get with the Neil Warnock side. Johnny Helson said it. Which has right. its advantages, but also its disadvantages in that people do know what they need to do to stop them. So maybe that's a problem. It, uh, and we, Everyone was a bit surprised when they went up, if you remember. They weren't supposed to go up. They weren't amongst the fancy teams. They weren't supposed teams. to be in the top half, I'd yeah. So maybe they're not that good a team and they had a, a purple patch and, and uh, Warnock did the job and got them promoted. Uh, maybe they've changed style a little bit too much in, in the top flight and don't have the integrity that they, they had last time round. Uh, and also, it's a big mental adjustment. You know, Teams that, that come down, it can be quite hard to get back into the, the championship rhythm. Interestingly, I think they take seven out of their nine points at home, which probably flags up where the problem is. The uh, makes it obviously hard for Borough going there, but that's how their season's panned out so far Phil? Yeah I mean I do think there's a factor of um, teams go up and the, the way, especially a team like Cardiff the way they've gone up and I think it's probably similar to Sheffield United as well they get up because everyone plays it to dip into the cliche big bag of cliches 110% every week they, they treat every game like a cup final they play the, 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 and I think there's an element of when players get up there they probably start forgetting what got them there in the first place maybe start believing they're a little bit better than they are and, and you, once you come back down again it's very hard to lift it again you know and they've got new signings who've come in you know we saw it with Burrell after, after relegation it took some some, some players still haven't got settled in yet um, so there are a number of factors maybe did, did, has Warnock stayed a season too long you know his, 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 you know, his, his record's there for all to see and it's very very impressive but he's, he's getting on a bit has he still got the motivation to, to, to go again um, and you know, Glatzel, there's lots of pressures on, pressure on players, isn't there? You know, someone like Glatzel, it was, cost quite a bit of money. We know Baru were blown out of the water with his valuation. Um, he hasn't really set the world on fire yet. So there's a lot of factors. Uh, but then again, you know, I, it looks at it from the outside, doesn't it? As a Borough team going there, you think, well, it's a game not to lose, rather than you thinking, well, Borough, you know, are odds on to win. Um, I, 
It's a very hard game to call because I think both teams are very much in transition. One, one thing's for certain, Neil Warnock will be talking Borough up after and the game. Steve. Loved, yeah, he loves the opportunity to praise Borough. The Rotherham, he was in charge of Rotherham, the yeah, Rotherham he game, wasn't that, he? didn't he? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, he absolutely beamed in yeah, with a beaming yeah. smile. Yeah. Well, I was a broken man. I was going to say, little, little did we know. It was, yeah, uh, it was two days before the war. Yeah, all hell was breaking loose behind the scenes. But no, no, hopefully, uh, hopefully Borough continue their, their decent run of form. Then, should we finish with predictions? Nil, nil. I think Borough get a point down there. Be, one, be, be, one, bra- one. be brave to, to call it. I think Borough are still um, allowing teams too many a- a- attempts at goal and... Um, you know, it's, it's going to be hard to keep another clean sheet, but I don't see why they can't get a point down. They, they there, are starting to get a little bit of momentum, and, and that breeds confidence. And you know, yeah, I think I think the first. I was worried again by the again for the third or fourth home game in a row. The opposition, and I know Borough will be away from home at the weekend, so that changes things. But teams are getting too many pots of goal, which is one of the reasons why we're probably talking about Darren Randolph. But yeah, no reason if they play like they did at Bristol City, they'll get a result. Excellent. Thanks a lot, Phil. Thanks, Vic.